When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Hey, it's Roy Wood Jr., Up next is a special presentation of the new Daily Show podcast, Beyond the Scenes, where we go a little deeper into segments that originally appeared on the show. In this episode, I sit down with Daily Show writer Ashton Womack and former Daily Show writer and now star of NBC's American Auto, X Mayo. We discuss mental health in the black community and the stigmas and challenges preventing black people from getting the help they need and deserve. Take a listen. What is up, everybody? I am Roy Wood Jr. I am a correspondent for The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Welcome to Beyond the Scenes. This is a podcast where we journey deeper into the topics and issues that we've addressed on the show and explore them even more to see where we are today on these same issues. And we're going to do that with some of the show's writers and producers and special guests. You know how, like, on the actual Daily Show, we do between the scenes. But see, now... We're going beyond the scenes. I'm going to say it just like that every time. Beyond the scenes. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about mental health in the black community. Now, this is a topic that we dealt with on the show back in December of 2019. There are few groups who could stand to benefit from therapy more than black people. I mean, think about all the things black people have been through. Slavery, segregation, winter. All equally traumatic experiences. But unfortunately... Even as therapy has become more mainstream, the black community has had a tough time getting the help that they need. Now, I don't know if you heard, 2020 was a crazy year, right? A little bit off. You know, you had the pandemic, we had the election, we had the uprisings that occurred after the murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. Needless to say, we were a country that needed some therapy, especially black people. But see, in the black community, access to mental health care is lacking. Black and Hispanic children are less likely to get mental health care than white kids. And studies show that irritability in the average white teenager is often labeled as depression. That same behavior is more likely to be seen as disruptive in black or Latino children. And doctors say that can lead to feelings of hopelessness at a very young age. We have a stigma in the black community when it comes to dealing with mental health. Black students say where they come from, it's shameful to talk about anxiety, depression, and trauma. Making the crisis worse, not enough African-American therapists. Today, only 4% of psychologists are black. It's a serious issue. And then having to talk to therapists who don't understand you, that can make matters even worse. Like, imagine wasting half your session explaining what wilding out means. 
Like you'd have to stop every 10 minutes talking to a white therapist to break down some of the damn abonics or imagine how awkward it gets telling your white therapist that you're in therapy because of white people. Like that'd be like the roadrunner talking to another coyote about Wiley Coyote. I don't have time to break this down. The segment that we did on the show, that was only six and a half minutes. And there's a lot more to explore with this issue. And that's why we have to go beyond the scenes. So to help me do that, I'd like to bring in two wonderful, wonderful people from The Daily Show. I saw these people in the hallways numerous times before the shutdown. First up, I'd like to introduce Ashton Womack. He is a producer and researcher for The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Ashton, good day to you, sir, from Parts Unknown, wherever you are. What up, Roy? It's going to stay Parts Unknown because I don't trust nobody on the internet. What up? You're literally on the internet right now talking to me, but that's okay. (laughs) The laugh you just heard is that of one of our many Emmy-nominated writers on The Daily Show staff. She is ex-Mayo X. What is happening? Hello, Roy. Now, it's my job to take this topic and kind of merge where you two came in because you both have different entry points, but you all are integral parts in how the show is created on the day-to-day the best thing the the best analogy i can give to these two for the listeners um you know you have a producer researcher and you have a writer the producer researcher he goes and shops for the groceries the writer is the chef is that analogy does that make sense at all does that even yeah no that's a great analogy it's a great i bring the popcorn the apples the milk and then I tell her to make me a great. And I say, what the fuck is this, Ashton? <laughs> the hell am I supposed dollars. to do with you popcorn? You gave me five dollars. <laughs> what I'm am supposed- I supposed to do with popcorn, apples, and milk? That's but- what I grew up on, okay? Yes. <laughs> that sounds wild, but that's literally how the show is made. One person yeah. has an idea or an issue or a problem. Ashton will go to Trevor and the producers and go, hey, mental health and the, the black people, and we need a hug, and nobody's hugging us, and the, the, the people that can give you a professional hug, you can't find... And then X goes, okay, I'll figure out a way to make that funny. You go sit down mm-hmm. somewhere and have yourself some milk and apples. Yeah. So Ashton, I'll start yeah. with you. So how did you settle on black mental health? And clearly the pitch was so good that we actually put it on the show. So what, what was what was your entry point into this topic? Uh, the entry point was actually I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna submit that idea at all. I had I had, my packet was already done. I was at the end of my packet and I was looking at it and I it was it was a topic that's been in my head and I was looking at the topics I was talking about and I was like if I'm gonna submit a packet I'm gonna talk about something I'm not gonna talk about what everybody's not necessarily what everybody's talking about but I'm gonna put my flavor on it what is something that's deeply inside of me that I want to talk about and that is mental health issues is like I don't want to say mental health issues is something I had to overcome I think that's something many people everyone in this country faces everybody on the planet faces uh mental health issues and that was something for me that kind of really helped define my adulthood uh was battling um just battling trying to stay mentally healthy no one teaches you how to you learn how to do push-ups you learn how to uh eat right but no one tells you how to keep your brain your brain right how to keep positive thoughts or how to seeing where the source of your problems were so like I I had a personal, a very personal uh, encounter with dealing with uh, uh, running up against the problems of trying to find therapy and a, a mental mm-hmm. health uh, 
not just advocates, but someone who could help me get out of the dark hole and de de beat depression, depression. And, uh, you know, it, I found in when battling my own depression that in our own community, we have certain stigmas. We have it, there's a lot of roadblocks in battling depression. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, depression. I grew up. It was depression is a joke like depression. Black people go through so much. You got depression. And so it used to be a punchline to me. And now I unfortunately ran into the actual ramifications of uh, actual depression. You have your own journey with this issue. And then you settle on this. You go, you make the decision. All right, I'm going to pitch this as a topic. So now you have to dig and start finding stuff. What was something that you didn't know? Like what? Illuminate me, if you will, on what were some of the things that you discovered as you start going down it, because you have to, because when you're pitching the segment, it's not just why it's important. It's here's all of the potholes. Here's all the, as I like to call it, the goddamn, like <laughs> every story that's in the field department. We don't leave. The, it's called you don't leave the building unless your story got it. Well, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I well, like that a lot. Yeah. So, what was in your research? What What did you find? Uh, it was a, there was a lot of goddamns for real. It's a lot of goddamns. <laughs> uh, one was like when I when I was researching, it was the amount of black therapists that actually existed. It's one thing I. It started I, when I went to go search for my own personal therapy. I went to the church first, but then when it came up to actually trying to find a culturally competent therapist, I found out there's only four percent of uh black therapist out here in America. That's a And how I, many of them motherfuckers is in Texas? Uh <laughs> Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's a great point. Ain't none of them. Uh only black therapist in Texas I know is was my TD Jakes. Yeah, <laughs> the potter's house. Come on. And Sarita. Don't forget First Lady. Sarita Yeah, no. Or listening to a Beyonce album. Those are the only yeah, things that was we it. got. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only things I got to cure cure my soul for a second. Right. But, uh, but uh, yeah, no, that was it was the amount of therapists. And I think I've I've heard Taraji P. Henson in my research, finding out people like Taraji P. Henson and her her son was also battling depression, and she uh, realized when she was trying to find um, a, a therapist, a, a culturally competent therapist, like she used the words, it was like finding a unicorn, and it really, really is, and it's. I think a lot of it has to do with one, you know, it's already hard for black people to get in any kind of medical profession, any any kind of spaces uh, that are like professional in that sense. But uh, two, the stigma in our community, it's not a, you know what I'm saying? It ain't, it ain't some, therapy is not something that's like widely talked about or like uh, years prior. I think it's becoming more acceptable. But before, therapy was a punchline. That was some shit white people did, like. We treat therapy like it's White Claw or storming the Capitol. It's not. That's like <laughs> for white people. So it is. Before, like walking with no shoes on outside with your feet bare <laughs> right. in Miami during spring break. Right. Khakis you in see, the winter. See, I used to like, be barefoot in Mississippi. I grew out of it. But, I mean, that's just more oh, country living. That's country, a separate country. Yeah, I guess that's country. Yeah. 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 There's, there's white and there's country. There's two different types of barefoot. <laughs> Country, you just out in the yard. Yeah. White bear yeah. put you out running errands. That's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a separate conversation. X, before I come to you, lastly, Ashton, talk to me a little bit about the black church and how you said you went to church first. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah, go, you was... sit down with this pastor. Walk me through that, that conversation, because more often than not, a lot of black, and I came up, we all, all three of us came up in some version of the black church experience. Mm -hmm. 
and they usually fast forward it to you need Jesus. So what was the conversation like between you and your pastor? When you actually sit down and go, hey, man, something's wrong. It was intense. Uh, he he he's he brushed me off very, very heavily. And it actually maybe having the, the past. First off, my mom sent me to the pastor. I told her I was like, hey, mom. It took me. It took a lot for me to call my mom because I don't want her to worry. She, you know, she, my mama, she loved me. But then I got to call her and tell her I have, like, I'm having these really, really negative thoughts. She got on the phone, got me a, a, a counseling with the pastor. I get in there and I tell him all my problems. I'm 23. I, I graduated two years ago and I'm struggling. I, once I lost my focus in school, I'm just out here. I'm struggling financially. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm just. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm having this like deep existential crisis. But after I told him that I graduated school, he looked at me. He was like, you, you graduated college. Boy, you good. What you, what you, what? I haven't even graduated. Man, if that ain't the classic (laughs) pastor response, boy, you got a bachelor's. He he literally looked, he's like, I don't have, (laughs) I'm talking to you and I don't got no kind of degree and you're here talking to me. Yeah, he's like, I went to typing school and that was, that's it. He was like, man, I don't even know why I took this meeting. I was like, I, uh, I don't even, I, I didn't know what to do. Like, also he's like, he was hood as shit. It's just like, I grew up third. If you ever in Houston, you know what third ward is. You know, you know, you know, That's what, what it, man. Yeah. You know what, you know how it is over there. And like my, uh, uh, my pastor was just hood as shit. He was, he like, I, I tell this to people all the time. He's like one of them pastors that was like, they go he, in the middle of service. He would just be admitting the crimes and shit. Like, it'd just be like, and we've all, we've all murdered and stole out of our, our mama's purse. We've all, uh, <laughs> you know, we've, We've committed larceny, <laughs> grand theft auto. We've burned down a building for the insurance policy. And, be like, <laughs> and here come yeah. and here come the police. You have a right yeah, to right. remain <laughs> silent. Period. So why are you playing? My pastor did get arrested. But yeah. <laughs> oh my! We got so many spinoffs. We need to go beyond the I scenes know. on that. <laughs> right. So X Ashton puts all of this research into a nice, beautiful document. And he's got mm-hmm. Taraji P in there and celebrities, the lack of black uh, therapists, the inability of black people to even have the health care to pay for them, you know, mm-hmm. the church polluting the waters to a degree. How do you sift? Well, first off, how did you become a part of this project? Let's start with that. And then one B is how do you sift through all of these pieces to decide what puzzle to assemble? So I got assigned the piece. So I I never uh, really uh, pick anything. Um, as a writer, you do what you are told. God bless. A good and chef so- <laughs> can work with any ingredients. Hello, hello, and I and I need to work with the ingredients so I get paid on Friday. God bless. Like, this is what's on the menu. Cook it. Period. I got you. So um so yes, yeah, so I was assigned this piece uh with myself and Devin Delaquante, and I. Right with Devin and Zach a lot, both of them, um, both Italian guys. Fellow writers, yeah. We wrote the state of black shit, me and Zach for you, which was one of my favorite pieces. Um, So yeah, so that's how I got brought onto the project, is I was assigned it, and then once I looked at it, because I'm born and raised in church, um, like I have such a connection to this piece. A lot of this stuff I've already laughed at. And it's already like been fun to me. So for me, it was just like time to play. Um, And I had to make sure that 
some of the stuff wasn't too inside baseball, as people say. That's a term we use like within comedy and stuff, because if it gets like too specific, I want people to know, I want people to get it, especially white people, because they are in power and have positions to change this shit. So I need you to get it. So I had to write the piece and stuff with Devin. And so once I got that, they were like, hey, the issue is black people don't have access to therapy, but what they do and they don't trust therapists, right? Once they get there, so many barriers to entry. But what they do trust is God and the black church. Like it's, it's helped us get through so much child slavery. Okay. George Bush. So we was just like, okay, we're trying to help bring that to the forefront. So I was like, okay. So we're trying to like bring these two worlds together. So we just need, we need, we need pastor and we need mental health. Okay. So we just have to like, Fuse it. Maybe that's one way we could try and help solve this therapy crisis. We need to make therapy a little bit more like black church. And I think it would be pretty dope. I, I don't know. It's just really hard for me to let people in. And I feel like it's probably because every time I show affection, it just feels like weakness. Uh -huh. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear what brother Jabuki just said right here? Brother Jabuki said that he can't show affection because it feels like weakness. But before we can understand what hurt us, you gotta understand who hurt us. Who hurt your brother Jabuki? Oh, wow, wow. I, I would probably say my, my father. Because he was really emotionally distant, but then so was his father, which is probably where he got it from. The sins of the father <laughs> passed down from generation to generation. And what will break this cycle other than a reflective analysis of the ego's hold on your psyche? So after the break, I want to I want to talk a little bit more about what that experience was like for me because see y'all can have all that fun, but at the end of the day, I'm the one that's going to get all the grief if we don't nail this issue the right way. And I'm the one that's going to get all the grief if the church is mad at how we came at him. This is Beyond the Scenes. We'll be right back. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. 
So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Now, X, when you all are writing this stuff, do you all ever consider at all, oh my God, will the correspondent even do this? Will Roy agree to wearing a cross and pretending to be a pastor? Or does the body of work of the correspondent inform you on what to do before you even start writing the action? I'm going to, I'm going to go with B that my final answer, uh, that for me, I was just like, Roy's going to do this shit. Roy is from Bama. Please. (laughs) He is going to do this. He knows what it is. And also Roy knows I'm writing this. He know I ain't going to say no shit. That's going to make him look fucking stupid. And I am a believer. Like I'm a, I am, I'm not confused. I, I love my Jesus. Okay. So I wasn't going to write anything also that would be demeaning, disrespectful, or dilute the power that we believe as Christians about God. So I wasn't going to write anything disrespectful. I wasn't going to have Roy be out here like looking crazy, uh, Jabuki as well. So I, I wrote with that in mind, um, always, but I, I, I knew what you would do and wouldn't do because you're a black man. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not finna have him looking crazy. That was that was always my biggest concern with any issues that are like so with stand up. I don't know if this is a mission statement or not, but with my comedy, the goal is to show black people that they're not alone in what they're going through, but mm-hmm. show everybody else what the hell is going on with black people. Mm-hmm. Like that's the period point blank mandate for, mm-hmm. especially with issues that are concerning black people because I'm not trying to make fun of the fact that because let's be real a lot of black people go to church because they cannot afford therapy talk about it so talk about it so within that so within that script I'm scanning it for where's the where would I get in trouble where would I get in trouble read read the next line okay all right Mm -hmm. this feels funny all right you Mm -hmm. know what I think I'll add a pinky ring to (laughs) my And you yeah. look good, boy. You look good. <laughs> you bought it. You really did buy <laughs> The only thing I wanted, in addition to the, you know, for the people who haven't seen it, um, I'm in a ridiculously maroon red jacket. And I, I look mm-hmm. like a shady Atlantic City casino dealer. Mm-hmm. And then I also have on way too much jewelry. Mm-hmm. You did. You did. <laughs> you did. Like he was using that church collection money for something else. Yeah, like, you look like only- David Allen Greer and Martin. Remember when he was at? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's, it's just something that I'm very, very mindful of. And, you know, I came up in the church. And then that's the other thing. I still got to go back home. Like my mama's friends Come on. watched The Daily Show. Come on. And I don't, won't miss Turk pulling me to the side at Thanksgiving. And I seen what you did, me was that pastor. You didn't have to blah, 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 like that. Now. Like that's all, Miss Turk is always in it. Not my mom, my mom's friends. Those are the people that are in the back of my head mm-hmm. when I'm running my performance through a behavior filter. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, will Miss Turk approve of this? Because if Miss Turk yeah. don't approve, my mama going to be mad because I done made Miss Turk upset. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that drama. So I, I had the crucifix on. I was just like, don't touch it. 
do whatever you do, don't touch it. <laughs> don't touch it. It's still comedy. It's still- <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's like one of the benefits now of having like so many like uh, we have a lot more black people. First off, us doing the piece. I, I grew up in I watched late night. I'm a stand up comic. I I love I, w- I can't wait to be on late night. But late night is a white or it's a it's a white space it is like historically been a white space and so for when we did that when we did that piece and it was uh, it's my first time at a, a, sh- a late night show late night job and seeing all these black people all these black employees all these people who uh, just it made the it made it feel so right and i the thing that i appreciated was you did have all these black minds in there who if something was wrong somebody would say something we, there's a safety mm-hmm. net of like yo that yo let's not we let's not we're not trying to tap dance for white people on TV right now. It's not trying to play on more negative stereotypes. So I think that was one of the coolest benefits of having, of having so many, uh, uh this black environment at, at our show, uh, cause it gives us some sort of like more minds to look at something. I'd be like, yo, let's, let's get, we wild it on that. Let's not do that. Let's, let's. Well, that, that goes down to the importance of when we say diversity, it's often a specific black person that echoes whiteness, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important to have all different types of black people, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are some black people who don't fuck with church. There's some black people who weren't born and raised with church. You had a black yeah. Christians. You had, uh, you had all, I'm black Mormons. I'm yeah. Mormon. Mm-hmm. Lisa's uh, no, right there too. Everybody, man. Yeah. Everybody yeah. was in the building yeah. and it, it was great too, because I think why it worked is that we were not just making fun of church. This mm-hmm. was the, the, the juxtaposition with the therapy with Roy using these technical ass terms yeah. for mental health was just at, at that balance with that. Oh my God. It was, it was so funny. We self-actualized. That's still yeah. my favorite, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part. I need to self-actualize. You need to what? Self-actualize? Self-actualize! 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 The show is called Beyond the Scenes, and that's what we're going to do after the break, after we hear a quick word from the sponsors. We're going to talk about what's happening now today with black mental health and the things that are still contributing to a lot of the stresses that black people are going through and ways that you can get help yourself. We'll be right back. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. So we've been talking about black mental health as it relates to a segment that we dug into back in 2019, but I want to kind of come now to today and go beyond the segment and talk a little bit about you know, where we are, you know, as a people when it comes to stress, because 2020 
that was having 10 10 ton gorillas put on your back and then every month you get another gorilla yes it was executively (laughs) produced by the devil period (laughs) how do we view this sketch now like when you when you have rihanna taylor and george floyd and abba arbery and everything that was a lightning rod for a lot of what happened last summer how do you view this sketch now in the context of that uprising part of me feels like we didn't go hard enough now i'm gonna let y'all continue but it's like you thought it was an issue in 2019 oh no but ashton i start with you how do you how do you view this uh well me personally i still i'm very proud of what we did i do of course with new revelations yeah definitely i definitely agree i wish we could have gone harder i wish we could have really told you how dire the situation is because yeah we we've joked around we joked about it we informed people but the situation is dire it, 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 the, the mental health of especially after last year it was a point in the summertime where it felt like every day i was waking up checking my phone and there was a new dead black person on my phone i just mm-hmm. woke up saw another dead black person and it it got to me. It was, I, I thought, I literally, I've never had this feeling in my life until last summer. I thought I was next. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. as soon as I go outside, I'm next. I like legitimately went through the, just a, a whole brand new depression. And I feel like it was a nationwide black depression after yeah. Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd. I, I, I do, I agree. I do wish, I wish we kind of would have put more of like this is a very dire situation and we need so many resources to help out black people in our mental health you don't have to go down this road if you don't want to but i'm going to attempt to get you to talk about something that you don't talk about often Mm -hmm. you don't tweet about often you went out to a couple of protests last Mm -hmm. summer and you know as a protester you got you know some firsthand front row treatment. I'm not going to name cities, but you was out there and the police was out there too. And, mm-hmm. and what happened to a lot of protesters, whatever you want to imagine as a listener happened to my man, Ashton. So yeah. you come home, right? You come home from this protest. How do you, what did you, do to deal because this is more of a as as we all especially black people deal with the stresses of last year and you don't have access to that type of stuff and 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 at this point this protest when you was out there protesting you know all the therapists was just now figuring out zoom these motherfuckers didn't know how to (laughs) unmute themselves oh god (laughs) it, it, it wasn't a lot of good online therapy happening Mm-hmm. What were some of your methods of being able to get through that valley during that time as a black person? Because I just think you've had an experience as a black person pre-pandemic and during the pandemic that's, I think, is one-to-one. Uh, yeah, no, I, I guess, yeah, I, can, I don't mind talking about it for sure. Uh, it's, what happened was I went out to the protest uh, and as you could see throughout, if you paid attention to anything that happened in 2020, you know, police were turning up on protesters. Sent literally nonviolent protest became these violent, crazy interactions with the police. Little children, kids out there, they turn it up on kids. And I was, uh, I got, I got, I got hit, hit 
and by, on the head by a cop for just t for following their orders. They told us to turn around. As soon as I turned around, I got clocked on the top of my head, cracked my skull open, and I was uh, bleeding. And it was, you know, I'm a com I'm still a comic, so like obviously it was a very traumatic experience. I'm still a comic. I saw a lot of funny in it. Like when my head cracked open, the first thing I heard was this black girl on the phone. She was like, "Oh Lord, they cracking niggas' heads open. It's time to go." And I was like, oh, that's hilarious. You was I a can't. sign that it was time to go. She didn't ask you if you was okay or nothing. Not at all. She was like, they cracking niggas' heads open. I gotta go. And I I was falling down. I was like, that's that's hilarious. And then I passed out. But, but honestly, out of the like the next couple weeks, it were pretty terrifying. I didn't the protests weren't stopping. And I I didn't want that to stop me from this moment, from from standing from from standing up for what something that I thought was right, and I felt a fear. I felt a fear of like I don't want to I don't want to go back out there, but I had I had to overcome it. And the things that got me through it, I, like like you said, I didn't have access to therapy. I uh, I wasn't even in therapy at the time uh, because I, I should have been in therapy. But what got me through it was I think there's this new wave of people of, of just people who understand self-care and the importance of like taking time for yourself you gotta you have to take time for your mental your mental health and i knew that being i'm surrounded by a great set of friends and a great set of people my surroundings made it a lot easier for me to get through that and i did a lot of like riding bikes through the parks i did a lot of things for self-care i did a lot of like meditation i did a lot of drinking water just taking i, I decided to take care of myself and uh and honestly, you know, part of it's probably still compartmentalized. Part of it's probably, I, I don't think about it. I still have like my shirt. I still have all my, I have, I still have like all the items that were like very bloodied up uh, just as a reminder, but most likely I probably haven't dealt with it the way I should have. I kind of, I kind of just thought I could just meditate it away. I thought I could just, you know, but I, pro I, I probably do need to still talk about it. And, and I, pro I probably compartmentalized it and didn't healthily take care of it, especially as, which is, you know, as someone who's like an advocate for people taking care of their mental health. You know, you know, no one's perfect. Ain't nobody, uh, you know, we're, we're, everyone's trying their best. Even I can, I can say, please take care of your mental health while, uh, I still got some work to do, you know, so. Well, I'll say this, brother. The fact that you're aware of it, at minimum, puts you on first base of dealing with the issue. So, you know, you know, me and X got nothing but love for you. And that's that's why we're having this conversation is to help get other people to at least first base. X, uh, how, do, how do you view this sketch now through the context of 2020? Do you? Do you feel like the sketch still stands up or is there a need for us to circle back? Do I need to go put on my pastor outfit again? I was just about to say, I got, I'm about to email you the second part. It's a part two. <laughs> yes. Um, well, for me, I feel like the sketch holds up because it reflected the times back then had what was going on in 2020 was going on in 2019. We would have reflected the time. So I think we reflected the time that was, 2019 you know to be honest because the thing for me is just kind of like the, the racism is always here <laughs> it's not here you know like we're, <laughs> we're not racist uh listeners but what what i'm saying is that if like i feel we went as hard as we we felt we needed to at that time like the people who were a part of this piece and myself and who was in it were very black you know, like if there was ever a time that we felt like, oh, we we could have went harder, uh, 
I think we would have, right? So I, I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, satisfied with the work that we did, and I think we reflected the times that we were in. Um, so yeah, and I think you know I, I, I echo Roy for you, Ashton. When I saw your post about it, like I was like full of tears um, because that's just you know like I have a little brother to where he was supposed to start learning how to drive last year, and I was like, no, the summer is too hot for you like we just cannot so just even things about like him being able to drive a car like it's always that conversation we have had to have but he can't I can't you can't even learn how to drive right now so just a a natural birthright for a young black man in America it's like no yeah, no. no. Well, first off, I love y'all. Thank y'all. Everybody, as soon as it happened, I didn't even, that's what I like really love, love working at our show doing. It's not even, it's hard to even say work because as soon as it happened, everybody reached out to me. I was like, it's completely unexpected. I was only at Daily Show for like three months mm -hmm. and, or like, like five months at that time. And like everybody reached out to me and I was like, it, it blew me away. That I'm like, you want to talk about something that helped me get through it was the fact that I got to work for this, I work for this dope ass show that takes, my, they takes my experiences and able to allow, allow me to put it on a bigger platform mm -hmm. and possibly relate to more people who've gone through this similar experience and inform people who who are blind or who have blinders on or who just don't know about what black people and minorities are really going through in this country. Like it's, I I'm, I was I felt literally that was one of the most grateful feelings of no seeing how many people reached out to me and yeah. knowing that. What happened after that was, you know, we made it, we got to make a piece on it. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about, go in uh, more in depth. And as soon as I feel like this piece, the black therapy piece that we're talking about right now, it kind of, it was one of the pieces that like sparked us open to talking about way more stuff in our community that needs to be talked about. And so I'm, that's why I was like, I'm, it's kind of, it's kind of hard for me to be like, feel sorry for myself when I know I have like, I'm surrounded by great people. I have a great job where I get to express all these, all this turmoil, I get to, it, I, it's kind of my therapy, to be honest. It's like, where's my therapy? Mm. I know I need real therapy. Don't get it twisted. I'm like, you need Lexapro, my guy. But uh, <laughs> still, being able to express in any kind of creative format is a form of therapy. So, and, and seeing my coworkers express, like, reach out to me, that was, that was one of the, you know, no, not a high, it, it's a highlight to a terrible situation, but it, it you know, made me feel great. Well, I would challenge you, Austin, Ashton, too, when you said, I don't want to feel sorry for myself. I would challenge that language. Like what you went through was a very traumatic, life altering, emotional experience. Mm -hmm. So there is no like feeling sorry, quote unquote, for yourself. Like, I think if you take as much necessary time as you need because we don't know who's listening and there could be black people out there listening that have gone through traumatic events a level of violence with the police with white people whether it be verbal or emotional or physical so it's not i would challenge that language of you You're saying feel sorry correct. for myself absolutely not you are ex experiencing something life-altering yeah. and you're doing a great job at it well god X, I'm too black to blush. You're killing me over here. <laughs> so everyone who just heard that uh, from X, uh, we need you all to Venmo us a copay because that was some <laughs> free therapy that she just gave you. <laughs> Let's give the people some resources, great... man. Yeah. That, that's a great place to end on because we need to give recommendations on, 
you know, places that can aid in spreading more awareness around this issue. Um, Ashton, Ashton, you go first. What are some places people can go? Uh, well, for starters, all, check out nationalcouncil.org. That is a great source of a great place for resources for mental health in general, but specifically for culturally competent uh, uh, counselors and therapists. There are uh, 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 what I learned in my resources, my research was there are a lot more resources springing up for uh, minority communities like the there's an Iona therapy app. It's based out in Los Angeles, but there's an app. It helps you find uh, it, through a questionnaire. It helps you find therapists that can help you out because, you know, that, that, are, that understand where you're coming from culturally. You know, it's hard to go to a therapist and you're like, well, like, where do you want to unpack? And you're like, where do you want to start? And it's like. Black people, we got to start at slavery before we even get to ourselves. We got to unpack shit for our ancestors and then we can get to mm. ourselves. So it's like you telling me I got to deal with Harriet Tubman. shit. Yeah, Harriet Tubman got shit. She got you need to. We love talking about our ancestors. Your ancestors need therapy, too. All right. They need Hello. Therapy. Oh, Jesus. I wish but, Harriet Tubman would pop up in my in my she, therapist room <laughs> during my session. That's our next sketch. Hello. Right. Call those yeah. sex. Yeah, there's Thanks tons to of people somewhere to go. Therapyforblackgirls.com uh because uh black women, Lord Jesus, what we've oh my lord, the mm. things we have to manage, my god, in the workplace. Hallelujah. Um and uh ask Dr. Jess, one of my good friends and she's also a licensed psychiatrist, beautiful black woman from Alabama. Okay, Roy. Oh. And uh Hi. Tuskegee uh, alumni. And she, uh, she's been on everything. She's been on CBS. She's been on Good Money in America. And she has something called Be Well Convo, where she interviews black, uh, artists. She interviewed Toby. She interviewed Swiss Beats. She's, mm -hmm. uh, interviewed, uh, Kirby, uh, the creator of, um, damn, what's the name of that clothing line? Oh my God. It's so good. And I love it. I'm so sorry. It's escaping me, but his name is Kirbido on, uh, Instagram, but yeah, she's in a lot of dope, like tastemakers, trailblazers, artists who are all black and talks to them about the importance of mental health. And also, I know this may seem kind of like unorthodox, but for me, I really, uh, learn more about myself watching other people work out their shit. So there is a show called Couples Therapy, and I believe it's on HBO, and it's an actual licensed, uh, a therapist and she's talking to these couples and so much stuff that they were going through I saw myself so many things was like eye-opening so I think different shows like that and it's not a reality show guys it's a docu-series like don't be watching Love Island talking about X said I could watch Love Island I could work out my daddy issues that ain't what the fuck I said okay and so I, I think I think those three are because some people are not uh you know, people that want to go to actual therapy. You know, black people, we don't really trust. So if, if you have to watch a television show to do that, to kind of baby your step, baby step your way in to like deal with your shit, then do what you need to do. Well, look, I can't thank you all enough for taking a little bit of time out of your day to sit down and go beyond the scenes with me. That's all the time we have for today. And hopefully we've successfully Taking you beyond the scenes. I'm Roy Wood Jr. That's Ashton Womack. And that is X Mayo. That's the only name you get from her because she's hiding from the government. Period. Mayo. <laughs> Thank you, Talk Roy. Talk to you next time. Beyond the Scenes will be back with all new episodes next week. If you want to catch up on our past episodes, head to dailyshow.com slash beyond the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.